Hello, my Pilates lovers. Thank you so much for tuning in to All Things Pilates, and I'm Darian Gold. Yes, come on, even if you don't go high. That's it, that's it. Nice long legs, then you twist. Bring the pedal up slowly, and open the chest and lift your spine. Keep going, you're almost done. And five, and six, and seven. Yes, girl. Before our guest today, Russell Soder was the owner of Pilates Lineage, a Pilates equipment company. He was an apparatus maintenance guy. In this interview, he shares invaluable recommendations for you. But I'd like to just say, in case you haven't heard this before, as you know, the Pilates method is quite special and it deserves to be treated as so. This means when you enter a Pilates studio or your Pilates studio, that not only do you leave your outside life outside, but you treat Pilates with respect. And this means everything from your own practice to the instruction and especially the apparatus. Continuing to have reverence for the special gift that Mr. Pilates left for all of us will keep the method as elevated as it deserves. And with that, I know you'll enjoy listening to Russell and the many tips he has for apparatus owners. My guest today is a stage actor named Russell Soder and a graduate of the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City. Russell found his way to Pilates via another actor named Michael Salazar. Michael, the owner of the Pilates Guy, is an equipment maintenance company that services all Pilates equipment, no matter the manufacturer. Both actors got to know each other while performing together in a show called The Prince of L.A. by Dakin Matthews. One day, during a play rehearsal, Russell noticed Michael on his laptop typing away and asked what he was doing. It turned out Michael was replying to Pilates studio owners' requests, perhaps even my email request, wanting to schedule a maintenance appointment. Michael's business was growing so fast, he needed help, and who better than his thespian brother, Russell? Russell welcomed the opportunity to work for Michael and shadowed and assisted him for nearly a year as they visited local Pilates studios and performed general maintenance, especially on the most popular apparatus, the Reformer. They checked and pulled on the springs, degreased, regreased, and tightened all Reformer components. Russell was very impressed by Michael's skill level and competency and took it to heart. Eventually, like Michael, Russell became an equipment specialist and visited Pilates studios on his own, meeting wonderful teachers, students, and studio owners along the way. This experience was Russell's introduction to Pilates, not by taking lessons, but by maintaining the apparatus on which lessons were taught. Russell took his apparatus knowledge and returned to the East Coast for theater opportunities in 2009. Though still acting, in 2012, another Pilates opportunity presented itself, that of a technical maintenance advisor for Graz Industries, 
as many of you know, is the leading classical Pilates manufacturer worldwide. Now, with even more apparatus experience, Russell moved on and has developed his own Pilates vision, a company called Pilates Lineage. Russell's company specializes in building and manufacturing archival pieces, such as the recent discovery of a drawing of the resistor. And though Mr. Pilates never was able to see the resistor fabricated, Russell has brought this piece to life and is very excited to offer this unknown until now Pilates archival invention. To date, Russell's company not only manufactures the resistor, but the foot corrector, toe exerciser, and is the only manufacturer of the hands tensometer. Russell's intention with Pilates lineage is to help his customers return to the Pilates origins in the hopes that they more fully understand and appreciate Mr. Pilates' unique inventions. Interest is growing in the traditional approach to the Pilates method, and it does appear that the Pilates industry is moving back to the roots and going more Joe. With me via the phone to discuss the importance of proper care of your apparatus is Russell Soder. Isn't that right, Russell? That's right, Darian. Thank you so much for having me. I love your show. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on All Things Pilates. I have a feeling you're probably going to be back at least one more time. I would love that. Russell, how long did you work for the Pilates guy? Well, I started in 2004 and went to 2009 in Los Angeles. That was five years. And then when I moved back to New York in 2009, I started the uh, East Coast Pilates guy and did that for another couple of years. So it was about seven years total. Well, besides fixing and maintaining apparatus at local studios in Southern California, before you went to the East Coast, did you go anywhere else? Well, you know, we did hit as far north as Sacramento a couple of times. What we would do is wait until people had enough interest in the area and we would visit. I did go to Arizona once. There were different places I would go out to, Palm Desert, Palm Springs. Yeah, but mostly our hub was sort of L.A. County, uh, Orange County. Well, now I have to ask you, which apparatus line was the easiest to repair and why? And which apparatus line was the most challenging and why? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great question. I would say that the easiest for me probably became uh, the balanced body line because we worked on it so much. And uh, I was replacing small components here and there that we would sort of just switch out from time to time from normal wear and tear. And then uh, when I was introduced to the grots, it it sort of, (laughs) at first it was kind of intimidating because it was really, you'd have to get in and degrease and regrease and kind of take everything out and really uh, give it an overhaul. And I'll tell you, it left us really dirty. You know, for a while, I was uh, sort of like, oh, geez, another grotz to work on? You know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I'd say the, the easiest was probably um, the balanced body. And now I guess I would say just the opposite because I'm, I understand the classical apparatus more. Do you think it was easier with balanced body because it's not handmade? It's machine-made? Yeah, I guess you could say that. There's a lot more bells and whistles uh, involved in uh, the balanced bodies. 
so those things will have more of a likelihood to have to be replaced sooner and whatnot. They're certainly well-made, but just like a car, just like an automobile, some of them have more components than others and would have to be switched out more. Did you find that if uh, you were visiting studios, were there specific pieces of equipment that would were broken that you would have to fix? And if so, which line did that present itself? Broken things usually were like clips, double clips, anything that people may have overlooked for a period of time. Usually the broken things only occur when we haven't started working with someone. So if we, if we get someone as a new client, for example, they have been going for years with no maintenance, no nothing. So that's when we'd find the broken stuff. But usually if we were servicing someone once a year or once every nine months, once every six months, then usually things didn't break because we were tracking them. Do you have a recommendation how often to replace all the doggy clips? Yeah, the uh, when you're talking about the double uh, the double snaps, mm-hmm. the double clips. What do you call yeah. them? Uh, I call them double clips. Um, okay. Or yeah, double clips, the double ones. We would recommend switching those out, watching them every year. You want to check on them, make sure that they're uh, not wearing in the certain spots. I mean, what you want to look for is right behind the opening you'll see where the actual spring will make contact with the inside of the clip. And eventually that'll wear a channel in the clips. And you want to make sure that you're not seeing those. And when you do see one start, that's when you want to change out the clip. I was wondering, in terms of just the basic wear and tear of the apparatus, is there a difference between a dry climate like Southern California and then a more humid environment like New York? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I would have to say yes. In the drier climate, we would find that the lubrication would not last as long, so you'd get general squeaks sooner. And uh, what I mean by squeaks is like metal-on-metal contact, points that require lubrication, things of that nature. Whereas, uh, and that's in the drier, um, the drier areas. And then when you get to the more humid areas, you would see sometimes oxidation on the music wire. Uh, Music wire is what uh, classical springs are made of, so you might see little bits of what looks like rust starting to form on it. Nothing to be alarmed about, but uh, it can be easily fixed with some film of lubricant. Those are the major differences we'll, we'll see in climate, for sure. Speaking of springs, if you do start to notice the rusting looking material on your springs, that doesn't necessarily mean it's time to replace your springs, correct? Correct. No, what I would recommend is that, uh, you know, what I, what I use is Scotch-Brite. And, uh, you get yourself a Scotch-Brite pad, and it's not the ones that you'll find in your kitchen. Uh, you know, you, you'd want to get the uh, rectangles. You can get them from Amazon, and uh, you get, like, light abrasive one, and basically you'd Kind of put it in your hand and just with a twisting motion around the spring, clean off the rust a bit. And then you take a rag with a little bit of WD-40 on it and just run it right down the length of the spring, and that'll protect it. Do the springs from a machine-made company's apparatus opposed to the handmade springs 
there is a difference, right? And do they wear and tear differently? Am I asking that uh, question right? Yeah, I, I assume you you mean coiled springs from machines and pulled springs. Yes. Um, and I would say you could say that they operate differently. Uh, they're they're made to perform the same. But you know, spring tension is is a science, and when you're building the springs, I would say most of what we use it's all rated by computers. So when they're done with the spooling machines that make them, that actually coil them, they'll go through a rigorous test and make sure that every little bit of weight you put on, that spring flexes or elongates a certain distance between each coil based on what it was uh, rated at. Besides the springs, do you have other kinds of information or advice for apparatus owners regarding caring for their equipment? Oh, sure. Yeah, there's, uh, there's plenty of advice I have. I, I think one of the biggest ones would be, uh, depending on where you are, if you're in a city like, like New York City, uh, where you get a lot of traffic, and when I mean traffic, I don't mean people coming in and out of your studio. I mean traffic outside, the vibration that is produced in a city situation, you're going to get Things like screws and everything backing out a little quicker than they normally would in a nice, quiet residential neighborhood, let's say. If you don't have someone coming every six months to nine months to a year to take care of your stuff, you're going to want to get a wrench or a screwdriver on your different components and just make sure that those screws and bolts aren't moving their way back out. And of course, normal exercise is also going to move the uh, the screws and bolts out. For all the different apparatus lines? Yes. That's good to know. So any kind of vibration, whether it's through body weight or if it's in a city and there's a lot of traffic and or we in the West Coast, if we have earthquakes, it yeah. all affects what's happening with the bolts, et cetera. Sure. <laughs> Earthquakes, not as much because you wouldn't have as many, hopefully. Just the general vibration to a, to a machine, to an apparatus. And over time, that's going to take a toll, uh, meaning things are naturally going to unscrew or work their way out, work their way loose. And there's some places, too, that you have uh, metal going into wood. You always want to check those, make sure that nothing's stripping out. But as far as, you know, your foot bars and all that stuff, they do need to be tightened from time to time just from general use. So you're saying at least once a year, having someone like you or Michael or just someone learning how to do it themselves, once a year at least. Exactly. And I mean, you might live in an area where you don't have people like Michael and myself to work on your apparatus. You can train you know, your handyman to look after things. I mean... We have videos uh, online where we go in-depth into working on the reformers and, and different pieces of apparatus, just showing how to maintain. And, uh, but yes, yeah, so every year, I mean, that would be about if you had a studio that was, let's say, under 10 to 15 hours, uh, 20 to 25, 30 hours, that would be every nine months. And then every six months would be if you're 30-plus hours Per week in the studio. That's very helpful. Let me ask you, what was the most interesting aspect of being an equipment 
specialist for the Pilates guy, since it was all new to you, right? It was. It was. And like you said, I met Michael backstage as an actor. And um, the thing about Michael is he is like an absolutely dedicated guy, you know, um, to the integrity of his company. And when I came aboard, we worked together on every make of equipment. He didn't allow me to even go out on my own until about a year. When we got about a year into it, uh, you know, I was going out with him all the time, working side by side with him after almost a year that he actually let me go by myself, where he trusted me to um, to go in and work on this stuff. It was a wonderful experience when I would get to the, the studios because everybody loved Michael. I mean, they, stu- they still do. When the Pilates guy would come, you know, everybody would be really excited because, you know, oh, we're going to quiet the machines down. I would always get like a, a welcoming reaction. Lovely. Makes you feel part of something much bigger, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's a big thing is when you can help studio owners protect their investment and help with uh, their clientele, help them uh, with their comfort level, too. I mean, some people don't like the noise. And now that you own a company called Pilates Lineage, you are manufacturing equipment, not just providing maintenance service. And I have a question about the Hans Tensometer, and did I pronounce it correctly? Yes. Some people say Tensometer, and some people say Tensometer. So uh, I think it's potato-potato because <laughs> Joe is not around to ask him. But uh, I know that, uh, I, know that uh, I, I call it the Tensometer. And what is it? Please explain to my listeners, and who is it good for? Well, first of all, I, I would have to say it's good for everyone. But to break it down, I would say I have a concert pianist who uses it. I have a guitarist, any uh, string instrument, people who play instruments. I have an archer that uses them. The, the thing about the tensometer is it's a wonderful tool for strengthening of the hand and strengthening of the fingers. And what I mean by that is the isolation of each finger and the muscles that accompany. It's been a wonderful piece. Uh, People have been really excited. We've uh, sold an awful lot. This Navy SEAL who I've worked with, he actually has people that want to increase their grip strength for courses that they do and stuff like that, um, where they're constantly going hand over hand on these obstacle things, and it really works. I'm curious why you are the only company in 2018, all this time later, the only company that is manufacturing it. <laughs> I'm curious as well, but I'm happy to be. And uh, uh, But I'd say that one of the things that I was hung up on when bringing the tensometer out was the fact that we didn't have any concrete like pictures or anything of Joe or explanations of how to utilize it. Seeing that we didn't have that, I, I, I was a little intimidated on bringing it out at first, but I I figured, you know what, this is a device that was made by Joseph Pilates, and it needs to see the light of day. So we are still looking for any kind of archival, whether it be footage, pictures, writing. Uh, We're still on the lookout for it, but either way, we will start uh, producing videos uh, soon. Very exciting. Yeah. It really brings to light just how much more of a genius he was. We just thought he was just a regular genius, but 
the more we learn about him and his how his mind worked, especially the resistor that's now in that's physical. It was just on drawings, right? Yeah. Well, actually, not even drawings. We we took that from a picture of Roberta Peters. It's a kind of an iconic shot. Uh, Roberta Peters, of course, is the opera singer that he would work with back in the day, and and she is standing there just positioned and out in front of her, there it is. That's the hand tensometer. And she has got it out in front of her and she's making that face where <laughs> it's a little difficult to, uh, to perform, which it, it is. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do well. Are you um, talking the resistor or the hand tensometer? The tensometer. I'm sorry. Did we, did we go to the resistor? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, no, the resistor, yes. To go back to the resistor, we had nothing to go on whatsoever, except uh, Kathy Strack had found a leaflet of a catalog of boxing apparatus and all different sports apparatus. And in this catalog was the resistor, like a picture of it. Talking about the, uh, the tensometer, we had even less to go on with the uh, resistor because there, was no, there were no people in the shot in the picture. There was nothing to go by. When, when we did the resistor, we were able to uh, reverse engineer based on the height of Roberta Peters, her reach with her arm, what we thought her finger length might be. Uh, we were able to do all that stuff, but with the resistor, all we had was a picture of this thing on a wall next to a door. So <laughs> we sort of had to look at what the size of the common door was in the 40s, and from there, basically pull dimensions. And I think, I think all in all, we did a, a pretty good job. It's so fascinating, really. With, yeah. the, with the time we have left, in our pre-interview, you mentioned a classical uprising. Could you elaborate what you meant? Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I see in the community right now meaning Pilates uh, individuals, I see a, a sort of need and a want to uh, look back to our roots and sort of dive in and, and, and find what was actually intended to these exercises that we do. That's what we stand for at Pilates Lineage, uh, you know, the, our actual... Your mission uh, statement or... Yeah, our mission statement and everything is what's from our past is going to be our future. It's like we're rooted. If you if you look at our homepage, you'll see the tree, the the Pilates lineage tree, and basically the roots are going down deep, and the the leaves are just as full. So it's like we're reaching down deep, which is back in time to kind of come forward with a clearer understanding of the apparatus and what was intended. People have said that they've gotten onto a classical piece of apparatus and been like, oh. Oh, okay. All right. This is uh, this is entirely different. Russell, um, Russell, you have yeah. to come back. Please come back, okay? I have, oh, of course. I have so many more questions. I want to use this little bit of time for you to tell my listeners how to get a hold of you, and if they want to either have their apparatus serviced or they want to purchase a hands tensometer, how do they get a hold of you? Well, the, our website is PilatesLineage.com. All one word, lowercase. My name is Russell, so it's Russell at PilatesLineage.com. That is my email. I'd be happy to answer any questions that come my way. 
Our phone number is 1-800-783-9007. Excellent. Russell, we'll talk soon, okay? Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Yes. Take care, Russell. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it inspired you. In order that you don't miss any of the great conversations, please subscribe, as it will also help others find all things Pilates. This show is produced and hosted by me, Darian Gold. It originates as a live radio show on KPCA in Petaluma, California. Podcast production is provided by Audio Ephemera. For more information about my classes, my calendar, Pilates resources, please visit dariangold.com. Until next time, collarbones wide.